This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. If you're in business in Toronto and Peel, today is the first day of the rest of your life as we enter stage two of reopening. But what are the risks? The numbers look good today, though I hesitate to put it that way when another 12 people have died of COVID-19. And yesterday we learned about the first death of a child with COVID-19, though we were told she died with the disease and not because of it. And over the last few weeks, we've seen a troubling trend, and that is an increase in the numbers of younger people becoming infected. It's not not surprising when you consider that the tragedy in long-term care is starting to come under control. And in the meantime, the weather is great and young people are starting to chafe under the restrictions. They want to see their friends, they want to have fun and enjoy the summer. And amid all of this, the talk throughout the pandemic has been that Younger people don't really need to worry about their own health, that they will not be the ones with severe cases, even though that's not entirely true. And what about physical distancing? Some countries like the UK are cutting the requirement in half from two meters to one meter. So, are you planning to get a haircut or have a drink or a bite on a patio? The number is 416 toll-free 1-866-744-740. And in the meantime, let's check in with Dr. Alon Vaisman, epidemiologist with the University Health Network, and Dr. Raywat Dionandan, epidemiologist and associate professor in the Faculty of Health Sciences at the University of Ottawa. Hello, everyone. Hi there. Hi, thank you for having me. So uh, are either of uh, you guys rushing out to uh, get a haircut or, or uh, sit on a patio? Uh, for me, no. My, my spouse won't let me. <laughs> uh, I'm going to wait until I see how the data uh, manifests. Uh-huh. Your spouse won't let you? That's right. She's a doctor. So she's a little more conservative about these issues than I am. I think she's right. I think um, if you don't have to rush out, don't do so. Okay. And? Uh, yeah, I think uh, that makes sense. That we, even though things are opening up, we should still try to be cautious and really still try to limit our activity to things that we really need to do and take take advantage of this time to do those things, rather than um, you know things that could still wait for a few more weeks. Oh, okay. Well, I I, I don't think that uh, that's actually what's happening out there. Uh, certainly, when it when it comes to haircuts. A lot of people are really anxious to uh, fix up their hair and, and also sitting on a patio. Uh, we, they opened up at 1201 and we saw some pictures of patios with lineups uh, after midnight yesterday. What kind of a risk do you think those people are taking? I think for the outdoor activities, it's far lower than the ones that are conducting indoors on patios. If the right things are done in terms of distancing between the customers, uh, hand hygiene and also wearing masks if it if it's in very close contact. I think 
I think the risk there is low. Uh, but when you're dealing with inside situations, the risk is potentially higher when people are making physical contact with each other, like taking haircuts or, uh, and, or having any kind of close contact like that. But those things can be mitigated by wearing masks, using hand hygiene, not going to work when you're sick, not going outside when you're sick. And there were interesting examples in the U.S. where uh, people who were having COVID had exposed other people during uh, haircutting, and there were minimal amounts of exposure going, uh, like actual cases transmitted. So the point being that we, we can still tra- reduce our transmission if we're careful about it. I heard a, when it comes to haircuts, I, I heard an interesting question uh, about blow drying does does blow drying mitigate the risk by you know moving particles around or does it make it worse wow that's a really interesting question it probably doesn't make that much of a difference to be honest if someone is near to you then the risk is droplet transmission will be incident on your face or mucous membrane if they're wearing a mask then droplet transmission is minimized the blow drying probably reduces the risk a little bit but i wouldn't put uh, any strong hope on that being your salvation uh huh. Do you think um, that we are moving too quickly? That's um, uh, a value-laden uh, question, and I don't think we are moving too quickly. Uh, in Ontario, in general, the caseload is low across the province. It's just that in a couple of key places like downtown Toronto and Peel, where the epidemic is most problematic. But I think uh, we're taking the right steps and we're unfolding at the rate we should be. Okay, uh, let me give the numbers out again. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. I'd like to hear from our listeners. I know that in, in my circle, it's, it's kind of half and half. I have people who are just itching to get out. You know, my husband loves to go out to lunch and I think he's going out to lunch today as, as I'm here working away. And, uh, we got in touch with some good friends of ours, uh, who we haven't seen for a while. And I said, Hey, let's go out to a patio on the weekend. And, and they said, Nope, we are not ready to do that. Uh, which is, which is fine. I know people who are, I mean, I, I have a friend in Halifax and she already sent me a picture of uh, her latest, her latest hairdo. So, you know, I think it is to a certain extent all over the map. Uh, and, you know, later we're going to be talking to, uh, restaurant owners and, I know that some that we were talking to are worried about business coming back. They said demographically, baby boomers, older people are more cautious and will be more cautious about coming back. So audience, let's hear from you on that. Again, 416-360-0740, toll free one 866 744 740. And Dr. Vaisman, I'd like to get into this whole issue of, of the rising number of young people who are being infected. And in the States, the numbers are, are really through the roof, but it's happening here too. Yeah, it's an interesting uh, observation that they've made. And there's a few explanations that could be contributing, likely it's a combination of all of them. One could be that younger people are now more aware having been uh, five months into the epidemic, the importance of going out and getting tested. And so more more awareness has led to more testing among that, among that group. The second element may be, as you mentioned earlier, also that uh, the restrictions on young people may not have been as effective or they may have not have perceived as restrictions to be as important. 
it's hard to know, but that perhaps can also contribute to the possibility that more of them are positive. In general, young people will have easier access to testing because they're more mobile and, uh, you know, more able to get to the testing centers. So they will also be tested more often in certain, in certain areas where testing has become very broadly available to them. So that may be why, why uh, more young people have tested positive recently. Uh, Dr. Dionandon, what's your take on this? That's exactly right. To think about this as an epidemiologist, there are going to be real reasons and biased reasons. So some of the biased reasons have to do with how we deploy the testing. For example, as we're testing less and less symptomatic people, you're going to get more young people who tend not to show symptoms. As well, the older people are being more cautious now, and so they're being less represented in the data stream. So on balance, you're going to see uh, a heightened weight of young people in the median age category. So I'm not entirely surprised. It doesn't necessarily mean that young people are going out and getting infected at a larger rate, but it might mean that. Well, uh, this this last weekend we saw here in Toronto on Cherry Beach, uh, you know, scenes that looked like they were out of Florida with uh, young people crowded in. And, you know, um, you can understand why. And even in places where going to the beach was allowed and legal uh, and there was some physical distancing, you know, it didn't didn't you know, it looked like mm, that might be a, a dangerous situation. Yeah, the interesting thing about those observations that people are more are concerned about the distances between groups, uh, like you and another group of strangers. What's more concerning is actually between you and the people within your group, because it's likely that when you see groups of people at the beach, that the people that they're with are not likely. They may be within their bubble, but they may not be. So it's that it's that part that's actually more concerning. Even when we create these circles and parks or beaches or wherever, that's actually not not the primary way to deal with the problem because it's the people within those circles who may be exposing each other who are not, uh, you know, not within the bubble. That's, that's the term that's been used to describe, like, the, the minimization of the chain of transmission. So uh, that really is a concerning aspect of seeing those kinds of things. But now that the transmission, now that the prevalence is low, it's less and less of a concern. Okay, let's take a call from Liz in Norfolk County. Hi, Liz. Hi. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Um I'm sure you realize that in Norfolk County, we've had a number of deaths in the farm workers. Yes. Um, it doesn't seem to be hitting home here with anybody, uh, even the older people. I had the misfortune of having to take a cab uh, last week, uh, twice. The one gentleman in the cab was at least 60 years old. The second time I took a cab, uh, the young woman was in her mid-30s. I asked them, uh, why didn't they have any hand sanitizer or wearing a mask or anything? The comment was, we don't have to, and we don't think it's a problem. Well, I'm sitting there in the cab in the middle of the afternoon, and I'm sure there's been a number of people in the cab before me. And the cab drivers don't have to take precautions? Well, I I'm, I have to check on the situation here in Toronto. But, uh, you know, I I was reading an interesting thing in the Toronto Star where they had a number of epidemiologists, I think, including Dr. Vaseman, rate the danger or the risk of certain activities. Uh, you know, the ranges were pretty wide in most of them. But Dr. Vaseman, w- what do you think is, is getting into a cab a dangerous thing? Uh, it's 
there's only contact with one individual, so it's hard to kind of rate it maybe in the medium kind of range. The fact that other people have previously been in the cab may be of a concern, but you can mitigate that risk by washing your own hands before and at, or after actually exiting the cab. If there's um, a depth distance between you and the cab driver, that could be a safe scenario, but uh, it would make sense for both you and the cab driver to wear a mask in those scenarios. And even if it's not the rule, we should be encouraging everyone to do that. Well, I did have a mask on. Um, they didn't. Um, they weren't hand sanitizing. They weren't doing anything. And like I said, how many uh, people have they had in the cab so far that day? Um, but down here in Norfolk County, you go into any grocery store or pharmacy, you don't see masks on too many people's faces. They don't seem to give a darn anymore. It's like it's water under the bridge. Um, things are opening up. It's safe to go and do what you want to do. Um, total disregard. Well, I'm 67. I don't have an immune system, period. Um, if I get this virus... Uh, I cannot see me living through it. I'm sure there's a lot of other people in this county that have the same concerns. Uh, there should be a law that everybody has a mask on no matter where they go. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. The premier was asked about that and he said he's not going to make it mandatory because he doesn't have the means to enforce it. I'm, I'm not making a judgment about whether that's a good excuse or not. <clears throat> there are places that are demanding it. There are, there are grocery chains here that they won't let you in without a mask. There are other stores. Uh, the TTC says it's mandatory, but they won't throw you off. I mean, in your place, Liz, I would say, you know, you call the cab company. I, I haven't taken a cab since this hit. And the one and man I, was the owner of the cab company. Okay. Well, do you, if you have choices, because, uh, I know I'm not getting into it when I order a cab, I'm going to make sure that the person uh, who is coming, the driver, is going to be wearing a mask. And if they're not wearing a mask, I'm not getting in the cab, but I'm not doing that yet. It's one of the things I personally am, am nervous about. Um, Liz, I, I hear you. And um, yeah, This should have been something that was enforced uh, months ago. I have relatives in Europe and uh, they have to wear a mask if they are out in public or they will be charged. Oh. Okay, Liz. Um, yeah, a lot of people would agree with you. Thank you very much. Thank you for your time. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, nobody wants to, uh, you know, even when it's mandatory here, for some reason, it's, it's kind of optional. It's mandatory with no consequences. Uh, is, is that the right way to go, Ray? Well, um, it has to be mandatory. Uh, the data is pretty clear now. Places with early adoption of widespread mask use see a reduced transmission across the board. It's, you can't argue anymore. The question is, administratively, how do you deploy that requirement? If you make it a criminal concern, you have to have resources to put, police it and to fine people and arrest people and to punish them if they don't cooperate. So I'm more comfortable with better public health messaging convincing people it's the right thing to do. And that's obviously going to be a long-term struggle. But unless the, the population is uh, feels as if they're partners in this endeavor, we're not going to get through this. Well, when we hear the public health people, every single time they tell us, oh, we've been great, Ontario residents have been so fabulous, uh, you know, keep it up. Uh, is that, you know, um, 
is is that accurate and is that the right way to go as like between that it's either that or total scold uh you know total a total scolding of of you know people who went to the beach or whatever dr vaseman yeah it, it is there there's those extremes of the messaging that happens i think people just need to be careful not to uh point any fingers at any specific people or a group of people like young people say and say they're to blame for spreading the virus or something like that. It's just a matter of reiterating the same message and making normalizing it. Uh, normalizing, like many other things that we do in our culture, in our society, that are, we consider to be manners, you know, masking will be part of that. And it's a matter of, it's going to take a while for the province to be on board with it from, from the majority. I think the uptake has generally been good to answer your question about the culture, but it's just going to take time for it to be normalized throughout the whole province. It's, it's interesting. You know, when, when I go out lately, I see more and more people wearing masks. So I guess it is becoming normalized, though, and, and there's all this, you know, um, you know, sometimes you forget it or whatever. But, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's difficult. And, and like I said, the, the messaging seems to me to be between two extremes. Either we're getting patted on the back too much. We're not really doing everything that well or, uh, just being completely scolded. Let's take a call from Martin in Brampton. Hi, Martin. Oh, hi, Libby. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say that, uh, you know, I can't get a haircut. There's only uh, two places around town here. But I do take my mask with me all the time. Um, you don't have to wear it all the time. But if you go to the grocery store, go in the store, and uh, you put your mask on. That's a good idea. Martin, thanks for your call. Uh we are uh, running out of time for this one. But, and, and on the mask question, I've asked this question before, and I seem to be getting contradictory answers. Um, I see a lot of people with the mask sort of down around their chin or their neck, and then they put it back up. Is that okay or not? I'll go first on this one, if you don't mind. My, my position is, early on in the mass debate, it was positioned as PPE, as personal protective equipment, and so we're very concerned about not spreading infection via the mask. We're at the stage now where a mask is a transmission mitigation device. So in my opinion, it doesn't matter if your mask is poorly attended while you're not using it. What matters is when you are using it, is it covering your mouth and your nose? You're trying to prevent the stuff from leaving your mouth and entering the world. And if enough people do this at a population level, it scales up as diminished community transmission. Okay, but you're not going to give yourself something bad by pulling the mask down and then pulling it back up again. I don't think so, no. And uh, um, Dr. Vaseman, you agree? Uh, yeah, I think that generally speaking, that's true that you're not going to infect yourself. The exception would be that if you're in like a higher risk setting, like in hospitals, we don't, uh, we ask healthcare workers to either have the mask completely off when they're eating or drinking, for example, or going to the washroom, but, uh, and then have it completely on when they're attending to care. So in the vast majority of your interactions in the public, having your mask half off isn't going to be too much of a big deal. Uh, my general recommendation is just to take it off completely and place it somewhere clean and dry so that it doesn't get contaminated somewhere. Like, But uh, overall, the risk is probably low, even if you don't do that. 
Okay. Uh, that's all the time we have for this segment. Thank you so much, Dr. Ray Dionandon and Dr. Alon Vaisman. Appreciate your time. Thank you. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.